old pilot's plain tales. Just another day at work. The telebrief squawk box crackled to life. Lucas, alert, one phantom. Came the voice of a fighter controller at Buchan, miles to the north. Mission Zero One, replied the RAF Lucas operations officer. Mission Zero One, the fighter controller continued. Vector Zero One Zero, climb Angels Two Five, scramble, 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 acknowledge. Before the first few words had been finished, four men leapt to their feet. Two pilots and two navigators stumbled clumsily into action, coffee cups flying. The first to the door pounded on an alarm switch and a siren sounded. Almost as loud was the jangling warning bell as the doors of the queue-shed grumbled open and the pounding feet of the ground crews as they sprinted to their aircraft. The Q1 navigator paused to scribble on his knee pad the brief instructions and then clicked the telebrief to transmit breathlessly, replying, Mission 01, scrambling. A strange choreographed dance was being played out around the two fully armed phantoms that maintained northern quick reaction alert. First up the steps were the pilots, who had been frantically zipping up boots and goon suits as they ran half-hopping to their aircraft. Jumping straight into their ejector seats, they were followed by their ground crew, who were busy handing them their straps and straightening them as they were snapped into place. Flight helmets, carefully positioned on top of the windshields, were jammed straight onto the head. There would be time to get things comfortable later. Ejector seat pins were pulled and, as pigtails were plugged in, the ragged breathing of the crew came live on the intercom. Down below, bright red keys flagged remove before flight were turned and withdrawn, making the eight missiles live and freeing the three large drop tanks should they need to be jettisoned. Protective noddy caps were whipped off the front of the sidewinders, revealing the gleaming glass of the infrared seeker heads. Still strapping in, the Q1 pilot gave the wind-up signal and began to turn the left engine, rapidly followed by the right. Only a few feet away, the Q2 jet sat manned but silent. The nav checked in on the telebrief. Q2 at readiness 5. Should the Q1 crew have a problem getting their aircraft fired up, then they were ready to take the mission. Soon the small shed was bursting with the whine of two Rolls-Royce Spays, which, within the small confines of the building, was almost unbearable. Now that internal power was available, the pilot gave the unplug signal to the ground crew and the external power cable that had kept the aircraft quietly poised was pulled. A wave of crossed palms and the aircraft chocks were withdrawn and as the dance continued, a lone marshaller stood in front of the jet, beckoning it on. Mission 01, Scramble Taxi. The pilot was already well on his way across the hard standing, knowing that he would be given priority over any other traffic, and the start of the runway was only a hundred feet away. The navigator was reading fast from his checklist, running through the abbreviated pre-takeoff checks, 
as air traffic gave clearance for taxi and take-off in one breath. With the last words barely out of his mouth, the reheats lit and the familiar surge of acceleration glued the crew into their seats. With a maximum fuel and missile load, the Phantom was a little more restrained than usual in its desire to get airborne, but with 15 feet of diamond-check flame licking the runway, it still only took a few heartbeats. As they hit 300 knots, the pilot pulled the reheats back, leaving the engines in military power, and he set course northwards, whilst climbing to his assigned height. His navigator was already busy with his radar, checking it out, and he cursed as it failed to power up. He banged the scope in and out of its stowage, then killed the power and restarted it, quietly praying. His pilot, suddenly tense, asked what the hell he thought he was doing. Staying quiet, the backseater waited for the set to warm and come back up. As the green mess of radar returns glowed on his screen, he switched through the modes and sighed with relief. His answer to the pilot was to pass the radar serviceable code word back to ops. Back in the Q-shed, the Q-2 crew were following through the frequency changes. They gave a little curse as they were stood down to readiness 10. Slowly climbing from their quiet machine, they left it cocked and prepared should they be needed. They were bridesmaids once again. Over in the squadron there was a little gathering round the telebrief repeater as Bucken gave a sit-rep. Pop-up bogeys, 300 miles north of Saxavord, heading south. Q1, en route to identify and shadow. The squadron boss was on the secure line to Buck and Ops controller, asking if he was likely to want Q3 bringing up from readiness 60. Down in squadron ops, the ops officer was looking around for the Q3 crew to make sure they were ready to man their jet, if needed. As the time passed, this was looking more and more like a run-of-the-mill intercept, but everyone knew that in times past they had had half the squadron armed and in the air. The Q1 crew quietly headed towards their intercept. They had switched to a discrete control frequency, but little was said. Everyone knew their job, and zip-lip was standard procedure. The less electronic intelligence passed, the better. From Bucken, they were passed over to the Saxavord controller, who gave them new vectors. The nav was starting to pick up contacts, fat and juicy, but not in range of his pulse frequency mode yet, so no distance was available. The pilot had smoothed out his folded ear from when he jammed on his helmet. He had only remembered when the pain suddenly broke through the adrenaline of the scramble. He had tidied up his cockpit and rechecked everything a few times, but the transit had generally been pretty tedious, at least as tedious as flying a tanked-up Phantom, with four Skyflash radar missiles as big as telegraph poles on his belly and four winders growling away on his wing pylons could be. Saxa, mission 01, contact, 10 left at 45. The pilot's heart beat a little faster. His nav had them. A few words passed between Saxa and his nav to confirm the contacts were his bogies and then to repeat the instructions. 
identify and shadow to PLE. Prudent limit of endurance. Now the chat between front and back seats became more intense as the nav drew the pilot's eyes onto the target. At 20 miles he had one of them, by 15 miles both, and when he was sure he could keep them in sight, the nav put his radar set to standby. They closed in on the bogies, and then the radar warning receiver started to chirp. A gun-laying radar was starting to take an interest in them. Smoothly slipping in behind the rear aircraft, the pilot confirmed their suspicions. A bear delta. It looks like a bear delta to me. The RWR alarmed as the bear crew locked up their behind radar to the Phantom, but the cannon barrels stayed pointing straight up. They pulled up alongside, the nav busy with his noddy guide, ensuring the pilot's guess was right. After all, he wasn't renowned for his recce skill. Then he grabbed his Nikon and started shooting. The pilot closed the gap to 20 feet or so and then slid beneath the vast fuselage. He started to move forward to get under the nose-geared doors so that they could read the identifying aircraft number. As he passed a beam the 12-foot diameter contra-rotating props, the asynchronous beats filled the cockpit and the phantom vibrated. Craning their necks, they read and photographed the number. They eased back to the side to have a good look around. The bear crew took no interest in them, staring straight ahead. Perhaps this aircraft had a political commissaire on board? The lead bear was four miles ahead, and it was time to pay him a visit. Keeping an eye on his fuel, the pilot accelerated, and in a few minutes they came abreast a nearly identical aircraft. His crew seemed a bit more friendly, and they shared a wave or two. Without warning, though, the bear started turning, gently easing round through 180 degrees and heading north. All the time they had been making progress towards Scotland, the Phantom crew had been relaxed. They were heading in the direction of their base. Now they paid more attention to their fuel figures. The range to home was increasing at seven miles a minute, and before long they would have to think about giving up their chase. The bears settled on a heading that would take them around northern Norway and back to their lair. This looked like a good time for the Phantom crew to bingo back to home plate. Out of range of Saxa, they gave a final wave to the bear crew, took a last couple of shots and turned away. After the excitement of the past 20 minutes or so, the hour-long transit home was going to be boring. The navigator realised he had a full bladder, but the last thing he was going to do was try to fill his piddle pack. He set his mind to hang on. Saxa came back in range and confirmed their position. The crew reported the results of the intercept. Identify two bear delta, now heading 020 degrees. We are chicken RTB. Back at Lucas, the Q ground crew read at a bowser to refuel the returning fighter. They had only 60 minutes to get it back on state, but the crew had passed a fully serviceable code, so they would probably only need to repack the brake chute gas it and pump some engine oil up into the reservoirs. On the squadron things were back to normal and the night flying program was just starting. 
Hardly anyone looked up as Q1 broke into the circuit and landed. The boss was back to his paperwork and most of the pilots were already in the bar. Just another day at work.